I'm Joe Forish, and this is You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. We talk about data, analytics, and its impact on business and society. We are the podcast for the Analytics Impact Network. Please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org. When you go grocery shopping, do you ever think about how the store is collecting data about your habits? What else do LEDs provide besides light? Why do street lights, arc lights, or whatever you may call them, emit the color orange? Find out about these and a lot more on the latest episode. So today with me, we have Jared Widmer. Jared Widmer joined the lighting practice in 2001 upon graduation from the Pennsylvania State University. He designs architectural lighting for corporate, retail, historic, hospitality, education, healthcare, and places of worship. Jared's passion for digital technology and smart home integration has fueled his pursuit of understanding IoT and smart lighting applications and their benefit to clients and project sectors. He has collaborated with both retail and corporate clients to deliver smart lighting solutions that enhance the user experience and deliver detailed data for improved operational efficiencies. Jared, I'm very excited to have you on the program today. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. You're quite welcome. Now, there's a lot of things I want to cover today, but I think it would probably be best if you first start off and give us a summary as to what it is you actually do. It's one of those invisible professions. Um, my job is to work with architects and developers and electrical engineers to design the lighting infrastructure for any new project or even a renovated project. So we're working on almost anything that's built in the, in the uh, industry today, whether it's a bridge, um, a corporate office space, a university classroom building or a dorm room, a new um, restaurant or retail space. And pretty much our job is to understand the aesthetic desires from the owner and use our lighting expertise to enhance the space and also balance it with the functional needs of the users. There's typically a science and an art to lighting, and that's where lighting designers uh, come into play. We're working to balance both of those to create the perfect atmosphere and environment for users. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you have a pretty broad band of different clients. And from what I understand, there's a lot of pieces you use, you work with for all of these clients, but there are a few pieces. And one of them is called visible light communication. And I'm curious, how does that work? Well, it's interesting as uh, lighting has developed over the many decades, uh, there's been a lot of changes to the common light bulb. And in our field of work, LEDs uh, and LED technology has taken a strong foothold in how we light everything from our living room to uh, a classroom building. LEDs are part of the electronic age that's digital. And because of that, our lighting now has a capability of doing more than just providing light for our space. It's capable of transmitting data as well. And so in our industry, we're looking at how lighting can piggyback um, data transmission in projects and serve uh, 
to elevate the project and enhance the space for users and for the owner. So visible uh, light communication or VLC is one part of what we call uh, smart lighting. Visible light communication allows data to piggyback on the wavelength of light uh, and that data to be shared from a light fixture in the ceiling or on a table to a electronic device, whether it's an iPad, a cell phone, or another electronic device that has a camera on it that can see the light, so to speak. So somehow there's a technology in the light that's allowing the light itself to communicate with an iPhone, an Android phone, an iPad, or perhaps even a laptop. Is that right? That is right. We're used to just a traditional light bulb that you screw in, Mm -hmm. but LED are a little bit more complex that in addition to the engine that produces the light, there is a separate driver or an electronic box that modulates the power and tells the LED light what to do and how to transmit that light. So that driver box uh, can be geared to receive data and tell the light how to operate or how to act to transmit that data wirelessly through those light waves. Wow, that's very fascinating. (laughs) So I understand how it works now, but what are some of the applications as to where it's used? The most common application uh, thus far has been in retail. Because there is a premium to any type of enhanced um, technology. And what we found is that retail applications can uh, experience the payback the quickest in, in using visual light communication. The visual light communication, for example, in a retail application uh, allows uh, the light fixtures to serve as satellites, so to speak. If you think of our, our traditional cell phones and the way we use uh, technology to, and GPS to get around a city or uh, when we travel, pretty much VLC or visual light communication is acting as uh, our IPS, which is indoor positioning system. So each light in the ceiling of a space is its own satellite and it allows uh, triangulation with your cell phone or your smartphone. Retail applications, therefore, if you were to walk into a grocery store and open the grocery store's app, and see what specials or deals there are, or use the map on the cell phone app, it's going to allow you to see exactly where you are in the store and help you find the pickles or the flour, whatever you might be looking for. So retailers are trying to create a Google Maps for their store using VLC. That's probably the, the most common application of visual light communication. Wow, so if I'm in the store and I'm going down the aisle and I'm looking for either the chips or the pretzels, can they, they tell down to a pretty close measurement, whether it's feet, inches, et cetera, as to what I'm looking at in that aisle? They can. It's, it evolves right. on a monthly basis. Initially, when it was first released, you had accuracy maybe up to about maybe 30 feet. Um, but we're now down to accuracies typically within about two to three feet. Uh, with visual light communication. And it's continuing to get better um, as they've worked out the kinks and and, and really developed the technology. Now, the one thing is that for visual light communication to work, there has to be not only the transmitter, the light fixtures, there has to be an app developed to receive and process that data. So 
if you walk into a grocery store with your cell phone and you don't have the supermarket app downloaded, that visual light communication can't do anything. It's not going to interact with your phone. It, oh, there's nothing okay. to accept it and process it. So it does require kind of two, a, a, both a transmitter and a willing receiver, which would be a company or someone developing an app to say, hey, I'm going to read that data and process it. Got it. That makes a lot more sense and probably gives a lot of people a lot more comfort who are listening right now <laughs> that if they're walking into a store, their phone isn't being infiltrated by the lights in the ceiling. There needs to be an opt-in from the user on their phone by way of downloading the app in the store. Exactly. And if okay. your cell phone is not out and visible to the lights, it's it's not going to do anything. So if you keep your if your cell phone is in your purse or in your pocket, Visual light communication will not work. It requires a direct line of sight to the light fixtures. So it's a very limited uh, type of data transmission. Um, and so for that reason, a second layer of lighting control has typically been involved in, along with VLC, and that's BLE, uh, or yes. Bluetooth Low Energy. And how does that work in, in the grand scheme of things? BLE works in concert very often with VLC, at least in retail and other IPS applications where you're trying to have indoor positioning. Mm -hmm. Bluetooth low energy um, allows a, a radio signal to be transmitted. And, and the low energy means that it doesn't require a great deal of energy. So a, a small battery can power a Bluetooth transmitter for a very long period of time. Uh, which is, is great for applications such as retail, in that um, a BLE or Bluetooth low energy tracker could be placed in shopping carts. Okay. Um, and as a shopper moves that cart around the store, the BLE antenna in that cart is, tr is connecting with the light fixtures above and it's able to track everywhere that cart goes, how long that cart stays in a specific department. Um, and so it's anonymously collecting data about how people are shopping the store, where they're spending more time, where they're not shopping. And that's done not only with the tracker or on the cart, but then there's the BLE or Bluetooth receiver on the light fixture. Mm -hmm. Got it. So in each light fixture, is there a receiver for BLE and also VLC? Yes. Uh, and, and this is kind of where the lighting designer comes in, is that if I'm working with a retailer and they say that they want a high level of tracking to understand their customer shopping habits, typically we're going to sp specify or call for light fixtures to be installed that have both of those capabilities, both that BLE antenna as well as that visual light communication capability. And it creates a more robust tracking system because the, the BLE is, is providing a lot more data um, in the sense that it allows tracking to a higher degree of accuracy down to typically about six inches. And it allows, uh, between those two technologies, it allows for vertical tracking. So are you standing or are you stooping down to a low shelf? It has a very high level of accuracy in the three-dimensional environment. So if a retailer is able to use both applications, they could really pinpoint everything because one, you have the opt-in basis through an app with the user with VLC, but then you're also using BLE on the cart and that doesn't require any sort of opt-in whatsoever from the user. So as you said before, you use the word triangulate. Uh, so it sounds like it's very, very well triangulated to get better information. 
It really does. And I think that one reason why the BLE on, on carts has been so popular is that retailers are trying to be careful in some sense of understanding customer privacy concerns. And so some retailers are opting to put the, the Bluetooth tracking in the carts, which is a little bit more anonymous than relying on the Bluetooth in your cell phone um, for tracking. Even those shoppers, if you were to go into a store today and you had your cell phone turned on, by default, most of us have our, our Bluetooth turned on because we connect it with our wireless, you know, ear pods, et cetera. Right. So we have it on. And so we're being tracked whether we realize it or not. The nice thing is, is that it is anonymous tracking. Um, the, the BLE is not transmitting any personal data about you by default. The only way that it becomes personalized is if you opt in through downloading that sh that shopping app or that third party app where you typically are signing away your rights, I guess, by saying, yes, I want to use this app. Right, right. And I, I believe a lot of people out there probably don't read those, the small print <laughs> and they click yes and they download the app and start using it. And then they're surprised when the information is used or it's sold. So yeah, I, uh, I get it. It makes sense. Now, a little bit outside of retail, there's a lot of other applications for smart lighting. Can you maybe give us some examples? Yeah, we're uh, smart lighting. We're seeing applications. I think the second most popular sector is what we call smart cities. And a lot of cities are now looking at the lighting, this type of lighting technology to connect the city in a smart way. And this is done with the city streetlights. By integrating the Bluetooth antennas and other sensors, there's, um, there's sensors that can track, can sniff for smells, they can hear sounds. There's video camera technology, of course. By integrating more than just the Bluetooth or the visual mm -hmm. light communication, uh, adding these sensors to these light fixtures allow the light fixtures and all the light poles to create a mesh network across the city and interconnect the city. This can tell um, police where crime might be happening because it can hear right. for gunshots. It can let uh, city road crews know whenever there's an accident because there's congestion build up and it's, it's, it's seen an increase in traffic in, on certain streets. Uh, it can also report when a light fixture goes out. If for some reason the light stops working, it'll send an automated report to the city workers to say, hey, this light fixture needs repaired. So it's trying to create this autonomous type of uh, system that's sensing and understanding what's happening around it and reporting live to the appropriate people in the city uh, that data so that appropriate responses can be made and make things more efficient. Wow. So it almost sounds like these sensors almost have five senses as opposed to just the video. There's the other four that make it a more robust way to collect data and essentially make a city run more efficiently in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, up front, you know, it, it's sold on the fact that the data that it's collecting is allowing it to create operational efficiencies and help the end user, you know, the, the community by you know, reducing traffic jams, by reducing crime. And it's even monitoring air quality mm -hmm. in some cities um, to help better the community and make the city better. But on the back end, you know, the city is using that data to plan for the future. What additional infrastructure may be needed? Do city highways need to be widened? 
do changes need to be made to the infrastructure. So having that data historically, they can now look over longer periods of time to find patterns and improve um, the ecosystem or the infrastructure um, as it makes sense. That's, that's pretty remarkable. And in terms of, maybe you can't tell us this, but in terms of what cities in the U.S. are leaning towards this smart city approach, is it most U.S. cities? I will, would say that on, on average, the larger cities like Los Angeles, even Chicago, I think Minneapolis may be pursuing the technology as well. It's spreading like wildfire now. Wildfire mm-hmm. now. It used to be, you know, there were a couple of cities that wanted to test the technology out, but it's proven itself pretty quickly. As cities are, are upgrading technology from the old lights, which are high pressure sodium, which are typically the orange city lights. Right. <laughs> It becomes this kind of a win-win situation for a lot of cities because they have to spend money to upgrade to LED, which then in turn reduces the energy cost because LEDs take let you know require less energy. Exactly. That cost. Now they can piggyback with these smart sensors. So when they're upgrading to LED, they add the sensors on at the same time, and they're able to now collect this data and have more robust systems. I see this kind of continuing across cities, even the smaller cities as the next five to 10 years. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so the LEDs are a lot better than, I forget how you, you phrase it, the orange lights. What, what are those called? <laughs> Traditionally high pressure sodium okay. uh, are the orange lights that we see most cities. But when you, when you describe it, I could see so many of those orange lights that I've driven by <laughs> on highways <laughs> and roads in my lifetime. And I just kind of laughed because I'd always wondered why, why are the lights sort of like orangey like i just i just don't get it but now it makes a little bit more sense i mean other than uh cities uh healthcare has has really started to to take a liking to smart lighting indoor you know indoor positioning indoor tracking is is an important part of it on a NICU with newborn babies Mm -hmm. uh you know traditionally babies in, in in hospitals have been tagged with a bracelet and they started creating kind of anti-theft devices so that the baby stays on the floor. Um, But the idea of letting the light fixtures kind of track newborns and keep, you know, keep tabs on them has grown in popularity. You know, other things of tracking importance in a hospital includes the, you know, the crash carts and other critical medical equipment that wheels around and is used in a mobile type of uh, environment on a typical hospital floor. Seconds are important in healthcare and being able to locate and keep track of important equipment like that is key. And so putting Bluetooth sensors on any important equipment and being able to find it in a moment's notice is is important. That's very remarkable. And in terms of flow, it seems like there's like this whole idea behind flow, whether it's traffic flow in a city or the flow of important devices through a hospital. What about any sort of applications within airports? Airlines uh, and some of the larger hub airports like ATL, you know, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. are looking at indoor positioning and, and smart lighting technology to help increase efficiencies across their terminals. I don't know how many people have flown, not maybe in the recent past, but over the last decade and right. been in some very overcrowded hold room areas, you know, waiting at their gate and all of a sudden another flight comes in or there's two flights leaving side by side and it gets confusing. There's a lot of inefficiencies in how airports are run because it's based off of a lot of human made decisions where someone sees something and makes a decision. 
smart lighting is helping to automate the process. It's tracking and understanding how many people are in certain parts of the airport, understanding what the flight itineraries are and trying to spread out where planes come in and are docked for specific gates to spread the flow of people in and out of a, a specific terminal, avoid those roadblocks that typically happen. There's many, many applications, and I'm sure as time goes on, there will be many more places, industries, locations that will adopt smart lighting. And before you know it, it'll probably be everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy how easy it is to find, you know, data is important to a lot of people. And sometimes even applications you wouldn't think twice about data is important. It comes down to even like a convention center or a big office where you have restrooms and conference rooms is that these sensors embedded in the lights now are understanding how many people are in and out of a restroom in a typical hour. And if people aren't in there, it can tell the janitorial staff, you don't need to clean that restroom. Only two people visited it in the last two hours. Whereas maybe another restroom has been visited 24 times and it needs janitorial, janitorial staff to come every hour. So it's, it's trying to improve efficiencies of the employees even. So telling them, don't waste your time. You know, don't clean every restroom twice a day. Only clean the restrooms you need to. Right. Only work on what needs to be worked on. <laughs> exactly. By providing that level of data, you know, it's allowing those efficiencies to take place. Efficiencies. You have happier workers. You're spending less time, spending less resources. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable because everyone that's involved has an advantage. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's always a trade-off is that when you're, when you're giving up data to a big conglomerate or company that wants it, very often they're trying to return the favor by offering a perk. I know that especially with retailers, I think one of the developments they're trying to do to kind of convince you to use the app and, and let them kind of track where you are in the store is by in turn, that app is going to alert you of specials and deals. If you were to walk down the push your cart down the aisle, all of a sudden you'll get a little buzz notification on your cell phone saying, hey, you just passed the diapers aisle and your favorite diapers are 50% off. So it's, <laughs> it's trying to alert you of <clears throat> to specials or deals of your favorite merchandise or products. And in essence, it really is no different um, than what we've been accustomed to in our shopping environments to date. I mean, for the last 20 years, we've all used the little key fobs where we scan it and get a discount on the groceries. Right. And many shoppers don't realize that is the grocery store tracking your shopping habits. They want to keep track of what you're buying, how often you buy it, and it influences how they stock their stores. Now they're doing it without you really having to scan anything, just having a cell phone and walking in the store, they're being able to collect that. Right, right. The option is you've opted in to use the app. So theoretically, instead of scanning it every time you visit, you scan it once, so to speak, and you and the retailer are good to go as long as you use the app and go to that store. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now that being said, I'm sure that a lot of listeners out there are going to be concerned about privacy issues. So what can they do? Well, other than leaving your cell phone in your car, if you're going to go into <laughs> a, a store or go into the airport, I think that, um, you know, the most secure way to limit any type of data transfer is turn off your Bluetooth if you're going to walk into a store and you're really concerned about privacy. The, the BLE beacon is probably the most commonly used uh, form of, of data collection. 
across the board. Right, but the BLE is anonymous. It is anonymous uh, unless you have the app downloaded. But if you, if you if you even anonymously do not want to be tracked, you need to manually turn that off. Right. The non-anonymous data are is typically the data where you've downloaded an app, and by d- downloading that app, you are pretty much opting in to them collecting data on you. Got it. So essentially, if you don't want to be tracked at all, leave your phone at home, whether you have the app or not. And don't use a shopping cart. <laughs> bring yes. bring your own bag. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, it's getting harder and harder to be anonymous uh, in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, and in every way, shape, and form, I totally agree with that. To wrap up, I, I do have one last question. There's a famous four-letter word, and I want to know how do you pronounce it. And that word is spelled D A T A. That would be data. <laughs> well thank you very much jared i had a really great time chatting with you today and i look forward to chatting with you in the future thank, thank you so much thank you joe it was a pleasure thank you for listening to you say data i say data podcast to become a member sponsor donor or podcast guest please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org.